over some organizations, and there are great organizations doing great relief work, no question about that, so I never want to minimize that. But one of the great things about being a part of a, a church like we are, part of the Church of the Nazarene, is we already have 300 congregations. They're already in the community. It's not just a relief uh, network coming in to help, which is awesome, and, we, and we're for those, and I promote supporting those. But one of the things is when you're already in the community, uh, there's something significant about that that, that allows you to, to have a, a different level of response and different level of connection. And we're, we're very fortunate being in the Church of the Nazarene that we have structured ourselves, uh, not just trying to grow a church, uh, but the Church of Nazarene is very missional, very compassionate. And, and NCM, Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, one of the great things is if you would give to that, and we, you can give here too. I, I don't know if we had it set up, but uh, even if our ushers could put some plates out at the back and we can get that money there either way. Uh, but one of the things I want to say about NCM is this. 100% of what you give goes to that. No administrative, no, you can't hardly beat 100%. Okay, it's hard to beat that. So if you want to give there and continue to pray for them, if you want to give in that way, that is great too. And as time goes on, I would love to see us as part of a church here to become part of that Nazarene disaster response, NDR. So when things happen around the world, we are prepared. Uh, you know, I don't mean 30 of us, but one or two of us that would be trained to be ready to go and be able to be on the ground, again, already where we're already networked. And it's, it's a great thing, and it's great to be a part of something like that. And again, encouraging you this week, we'll talk a little bit more about that in our, in our, our team training, uh, about how we're connected that way. I encourage you to sign up for those. Yesterday was a great, I thought, a great time together with those who were there and just excited about what the Lord's doing here. One of the things he's doing is, is trying to chip away at some things for us. And in, in, in margins, as we've been talking about over the last few weeks, is that. It is part of that uh, chipping away at, at, for us to have space to do the things that God wants to do in our lives. I, I should have done this a few weeks ago. I just want to make sure that one of the things that, that stirred in us to, to be able to do this, there's a book called Margin, Richard Swenson, Christian writer, but he's a medical doctor. If you want to read this book, it's a great book. He covers way more than we're ever going to preach here. But it's some practical ways about going about living a life with margins. But anyway, Dr. Richard Swenson, and I'll mention another one here in a little bit uh, in, in, as we get further into this. But it also, in, this one here says, Restoring Emotional, Physical, Financial, and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives. We live in a culture that pushes us to be overloaded. It just does. And somehow or another, we almost carry it as a badge of honor. <laughs> then when we talk about, boy, I'm, I'm so busy, I'm so... And somehow or another, that's a badge of honor to wear around. And reality is, boy, it's just not where God wants us. He doesn't. And the other one is Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. And I love Dr. Dr. Cloud as some, some illustrations. We, one specific illustration we use here that, that he put in my mind and heart and many of our, uh, a few of the staff over the last few years about how to deal with truth in your life... He was the one that shared that, but this one is when to say yes, how to say no to take control of your life. Most of us in the culture we live in today have lost control. <laughs> but one of the things we hate to do is admit it. We hate to admit that somehow or another we don't know how to get control of our lives as far as margins in the sense of our spending, our time, our emotions our relationships, our moral decisions. 
We're overloaded. But Jesus says, and we did it out of the message I shared with you last week, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Because I'm going to tell you, religion in itself can burn you out. When it's not alive... When all it is is a set of rules to try to follow and set of beliefs and it really is nothing working, a faith that's working out in your bones and working out in your... It can be very tiring. He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I don't know about you. When I read that, and I, and, and I like the way the message, Eugene Peterson says in the message, but it really is appealing. I don't know about for you, but it really, really is appealing when I, when I read that. And, and Richard Swenson says and defines margins as the space between our load and our limits. The space between our load and our limits. It's when we reach the limits of our resources, our abilities, we are out of margin. And I don't know if you know this, but you have limits. Now some of you probably notice your greatest limits in your finances. That's probably where you notice them the quickest. Because <laughs> somehow you think, many of us think we have an endless amount of time. An endless amount of emotion. And we're endless in how we can deal with moral decisions in our life. We think that, but it mostly, uh, most of us come to the realization when it's, we're talking about money, we realize how limited we are. But it's all of it. But margins are this. <clears throat> our granddaughter's two years old, Cameron. And the house we just moved into has a pool. We hadn't had a pool in quite a few years. <clears throat> and living in Arizona, I know that's almost sacrilegious, but uh, we just didn't. Okay, we wanted to, but we didn't, but we now have one. And one of the things is, we have to give her margins. You stay this far away from the pool. Do not go that close to the pool. Now, I know there's other things we have to do, and barriers and things of that nature, but, but those margins are trying to tell her, this is, how, this is where you can go to, that's where you stop. And you push her far enough away, so if she comes a little bit closer, you still have freedom to slow her down. You don't say the margin's three inches away from the pool. You push the margin how far? Two feet, three feet, just in case she sneaks inside of that. But we have margins. I don't know about you, but I'm glad we have margins in parking spaces. I'm glad they don't make them the exact size of my car. That's really all I need. But aren't you glad they build space enough that I can make a mistake and still get away with it? I cannot. Now, I've done this before. I back, I'm a, those of you who know me, I back in almost everywhere I go. I'm really bad about that, bad or whatever. It's a, it's a habit. I back my vehicle in, and people say, why did you do that? I said, well, if you'd have lived the life I lived for 10 years, you backed in everywhere you went so you could leave as quick as possible. <laughs> it's just what it is. It is what it is. I was going to the doctor one day. I was late. Didn't have a margin. I was late. Had no margin. I whipped that little Dodge Neon. I was driving Colton's car. Whipped that little car into a parking spot. I borrowed somebody else's spot too because I went right into their door. And that parking, I parked my four-wheel drive truck all the time, but somehow the littlest car in our fleet 
I missed it on, but the big one, I always seem to get it right. But aren't you glad there's enough room to make a mistake? Aren't you glad that when you're driving down the interstate, that they didn't just build the lanes just big enough for your car? They built it with a little space on each side just in case you look down to turn the radio on or or do something like that. And for some of you, it's texting, unfortunately, or whatever that is. Aren't you glad the lane's just built a little bit bigger so you can stick it? There's margin. Your load is this, but the limit's here. That's that space in between. I've been pulling a, been moving recently. I've been pulling a trailer around in the back of my, behind my truck, about a 16 foot trailer. And I'm not sure how, what the width of it is, but I'll tell you this. If you don't pay attention all the time, you're in somebody else's lane. You're on that line. You're just, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's quite a bit wider than my truck. I mean, so you have to stay attentive. You have to stay on top of it. Not much margin for mistake. But one of the big challenges most of us have is that we don't live our lives there. Because inside the margin, it gives us freedom to do the things. It's, it, margin in itself, it, it, it's not an end to itself. It really is a means of greater usefulness to others and most of all to God. But most of us are committed at 120% when the reality is we should be living at 80% and having 20% for some kind of margin. That's financially, that's emotionally, that's, that's time-wise, that's all of it. I don't know what the number is. I'm saying 80, 20, but you know what I'm saying. Most of us live at 120 instead of 20, at least 20 to spare. No room for somebody to, no room for something to mess up. No room for emotion, any more emotional anything into our lives because we're maxed out. Seth Godin talks about time, and one of the things we're going to talk about today is time and relationships. But Seth Godin talks about time is borrowed. Time is wasted, time is spent, we find time, slow down time, take our time, it's quitting time, starting time, we focus on the stitching time, hard times, closing time, not to mention big times, daylight savings time, race against time, first time, last time, due time, in the nick of time. And time is very, very, it's based, time is, for us, in many ways, is based on our experiences For instance, I can do a long bus ride, and I've done that before, where time seems like it just crawls. It just crawls. And some of you went to Arkansas this year, that 24-hour bus ride, it was crawling. But then there's times I do things going, man, that just flew by. There are times I'll spend a lot of money for a short little thing. I, I, I'm skydiving. I spent a lot of money to skydive and it didn't take very long. I spent a lot of money at Park City a few years ago bobsledding. And it was over within 90 seconds almost. It was a lot of money. But there are times I'll spend a lot of time doing something I wouldn't pay you $5 for. Because <laughs> time for us and how it all operates in our lives is, is very interesting to each one of us. In this day and age, most of us, and I don't have it in my pocket right now, we all know where we are in time because our phone has it down to the second. A few years ago, my my watch could be off from years, but nowadays we all got it down to the right thing. 
So what happens in our culture is it clearly when you begin to to maybe implement some of the things we're talking about here, or if you get the book margin, or, or you just in your prayer time, you begin to process this out. I'm going to tell you what we're going to be talking about, or what we've been talking about, is counterculture to what most people are doing around you. They're not trying to figure out how to get more space for all these things. Progress itself is sucking life out of us and asking for our time. TV. Computers. How do we pay for all of it? I mean, I would never would have thought 10, 15 years ago that I would have, and I'm going to just tell you, a $350 a month cell phone bill. Matter of fact, 15 years ago, I didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> but between my family and all, are you serious? But it comes from, it sucks. Some, I mean, that technology. But if you want the DVR and HD, well, that's this price. And also, by the way, now you can watch all those shows you used to miss and you had time for your family because you just missed the show. Now you can all watch. You just load them up. And I'm not saying don't use, I'm not telling you not to do any of these. I'm just saying progress in itself is not progress in many ways. It's sucking the life out of us if we're not careful. If we don't know how to use it. We need to know how to say no. And we need to know how to say getting less done is the right thing. And that's for your own life and my own life. We have to look at that, how that all works out. Because here's my biggest concern. Because when we have time, we have time for people. And we have time for relationships. And I think those things are very, very dear to God's heart. In his book, Balance, Dr. Swenson, and I, didn't, I haven't read that book yet, but one of the quotes out of there says, Margin, rightly conceived, is not about laziness. It's not about mediocrity, and it's not about non-involvement. So some of you are going, but well, I'm going to drop everything, and I'm going to get margin. That's not what margin is about. It is about focus, discipline, and self-control. But mostly it is about prioritizing space where we concentrate on the things that matter most. That's what margin is about. Because it's in margin we are going to experience the most important things in our life. It's in margin that our deepest Friendships are going to happen. It's in margin that our deepest relationship with our family is going to happen. It is in margin where intimacy, and again, don't take intimacy the way the world describes it. It begins and ends in a physical aspect of it, of a relationship. I'm talking about intimacy where we know each other. It happens in the margins. The reason why I know this and about relationships is because the question was asked to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? What mattered most, Jesus? What's the greatest things we need to know, Jesus? In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love, and the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws, all the commandments are wrapped into these two. 
I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but the Ten Commandments are about relationship. It's all about relationships. The Ten Commandments are a guideline to keep you healthy, to keep you, they're the guardrails, they're the things that keep you on track. The Ten Commandments are as much about relationships as they are anything. Our relationship to God and our relationship to others. It was God's way of saying, if you live this way, I'm going to give you margin to have a great life. I'm going to give you some, board, some guidelines, some guardrails. Let me ask you a few questions here. Is your life out of control? I mean, is it book solid? And if one other little thing came along, it is... Uh, I mean, it could be financially. You can be vulnerably financially. You can be vulnerably emotionally. You can be vulnerable. And you're in trouble. In relationships, do people have a tendency to take advantage of you? Because you don't know how to say no. You don't know how. You don't, you've never figured out, how do I say to people, I can't do this. No, I'm doing something greater here. I can't say yes to that. We mentioned last week, when you begin to live without margins in your life, when you're under that stress, one of them is you become self-preserving. You're self-defensive. You, you don't want to be exposed, so you're very self-defensive. I don't know where you are right now. Is that, is that stress of life begins to, you don't allow people to speak into your life. You become undisciplined. <clears throat> and that's not only in your spiritual journey, but also in your, in your physical life. You become vulnerable to sin, things that you would have never done before, but when you come under these margins and life is being sucked out of you, if you're not careful, you will, ju- you will justify sin because you deserve it because of all the things you're doing for God of all things, if you're not careful. But your soul, the life is sucked out of you so much, you begin maybe even going back into things that were part of your life before that somehow or another you would overcome, but now you're justifying it. Because there's no space emotionally. There's no space morally even to make decisions. There's no space for people to speak in There's no space to be in a, in a group of people that you're journeying with that hopefully are going the same direction you want to go. But here's the last one that I mentioned last week, and I'm sure there are others, is that when you live without margins, people become a burden instead of a blessing. People become a burden instead of a blessing. You end up having no compassion for others. You could sit, you could hear stories about people's lives being broken apart, and you can just sit there and eat your Fruit Loops and not even be concerned at all. Because you're so focused on you, so focused on what's happening in your life, that you, and you, you can't even think about anybody else. So, one reason we want to help people begin to hit margins is so the compassion can begin to grow, the heart for others can begin to grow. But how do we do that? Well, a lot of the things I'm going to mention here are, are, are just my opinion, and I'll tell you they're my opinion, but, they're, but I think they're educated thoughts of years of working with folks. I hope they're of some help to you, but uh, I, I hope they'll uh, in some ways connect with where you are on your journey. 
One of the things I, I talk about, use the road uh, uh, diagram, but one of the things about margins is how, how many of you, I mean, you've ever been driving wherever and you hit those rumble strips on the side of the road. I know we have rumble strips when you're coming up to a, maybe a, some stop sign or something, but those rumble strips on the side of the road, you know what makes those rumble strips so effective is you hit those rumble strips, and I would say rumble strips in our lives, we need to have things that go off. Part of it would be if you're in the right community of believers and right community of people who are holding you accountable. But those rumble strips go off. But you know what makes them most successful? is how much margin you have between there and the guardrail. Because if you get those rumble strips and the guardrail is like a foot away, aren't you glad the shoulders are pretty wide that you can make a mistake and hit that rumble strip and be able to correct yourself and keep yourself out of trouble? We need rumble strips in our lives. We need those rumble strips. Not only do we need guardrails, I think we need rumble strips before we get to the guardrail. It's the reason accountability and being a part of a body. That's the reason why I do not think being separate by yourself somewhere, yeah, I believe that's a, there's a margin level to that, obviously, to be set apart. But not being in a group of people who help you and what, what they think of you matters to you is dangerous. As a believer. And what are some of the major stressors? You know, Henry Clouds talks about boundaries in his book, Boundaries. And he says, having clear boundaries is essential to a healthy, balanced lifestyle. A boundary is a personal property line that marks those things for which we are responsible. In other words, boundaries define who we are, and I love this, and who we are not. Who we are and who we are not. And I think one of the big challenges for many of you in this room, it is for me too, especially as a pastor, is trying to figure out what are legitimate boundaries. What if someone is upset or hurt by my new boundaries? How do I answer someone who wants my time, love, and energy or money? How do I do that? How do I go about answering that question when they're, they're, they're drawing, they're sucking the life out of me at times? Aren't boundaries selfish, Pastor Kurt? You know, because we're here to love people. And why do I feel guilty or afraid when I begin to set those boundaries, those rumble strips? Why, why is that? I think boundaries are critical in relationships. Because they give you margin. You know, I, uh, I don't if you know this, but uh, many of you do. Uh, uh, Bryce, where's Bryce and Tori? Tori's up there, Bryce. Bryce asked Tori to marry him last Sunday night. It was pretty awesome. We got to be a part of that as a family. And that's pretty cool. But one of the conversations I had with Bryce when he started dating Tori a couple of years ago, and it's the same conversation I had with Andy when he started dating Sydney, we put up boundaries. And, they, they, and I thought it was honorable. They came to me not to ask for the hand of marriage. That was way later. They asked, can I date your daughter? That's pretty awesome. But one of the things I told them was this. And I sat down with them, and, I, and, they, and they know this. And it was nothing against them. I said, I just want you to know, there are things in our family you won't get invited to. And you need to be all right with that right now. And that sounds hardcore. I just want you to know until you're further down the road, and you're further into relationship, and you're further, you're not getting in. 
and I also told them, as, as long as I, until they, I hand their hand off in marriage, I am their protector and I take that role, role very, very seriously. I love you, I'm for you, I love my daughter, for her, but I'm telling you, there are things we do as a family. You're not into our family family that deep yet. You're only getting in this far. That sounds hard, but we set up boundaries. And so when they got to come into a different level, and again, it sounds like you're some kind of elite, you think you get, I'm just saying, it was special when they got invited to certain things that they used to not get invited to. But one of the things is, I've been a youth pastor long enough to realize, when you let people come in so deep into your family, they, when they break up, they don't only break up with you, with, the, with your child, they break up with the whole family. And people stay in relationships way longer than they should because they're afraid to break up with the whole family. Now you go, that's just extreme. I'm just saying that's what we did. I heard Dr. Ed Young Sr. years ago talking about, uh, he's the lead pastor uh, at uh, uh, Southern Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, I think it is. Heard a tape years ago, said, you want to know what kind of pastor you have? Look over his backyard fence. That'll tell you what kind of pastor you have. Look at how he interacts with his family. Look at how, they, if you want to know, and he said, people will call me a lot of times in a, at night and say, oh, my marriage is falling apart. I need you to come over right now. And he says, well, you can make an appointment tomorrow. I have an appointment right now. Now, his appointment may be watching Monday night football with his boys. But he came to this conclusion. Most people's marriages don't get in trouble overnight. And guess what? They don't get fixed overnight. Your emergency and your neglect and your... Doesn't make it an emergency for me. I'll pray for you tonight. I'll do those things. Now, there are times there are emergencies, and we know we have to go to those as pastors. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if you don't figure out how to set boundaries, and you're going to hurt some people's feelings. And we're going to be, we're going to be asking as we move forward here, those to come alongside me, even alongside our staff, to help us go to hospitals and different things because we believe that, that God has called some of you with that ability to shepherd and to touch people's lives. It's not just me and Andy and Josiah. It is God has called many of us to be able to do those things. And some of you may get your feelings hurt going, well, pastor didn't come to this or that. Because or, I, I, I got my teeth cut in a Nazarene church in Texarkana, Texas, that I was in the hospital three or four times a week. Not visiting. I was visiting in the hospital. And I realized it left no margin for some of the other significant relationships I needed to build. And we began to build a group of people. And what I'm saying is, you got to start going, okay, yeah, we may hurt some people's feelings along the way, but we got to figure out a way to begin to build boundaries, margins, but it also invites other people in to do some things that they may have already called to do if I tried to fill all that time up myself. I'm taking ministry away from people. How many of you have calls that come on your cell phone and you look at the caller ID or you see their name and you go, oh. You don't have even one. It is that draining monologue call that you're about to get. That's going to suck the life out of your day. And you sometimes don't answer it. Sometimes you go, well, my, my voicemail doesn't work. I didn't know you called. No. 
How do we limit those? How do we be able, how do we begin to, we've got to help step in and begin to take our lives back. Because if not, others will take it from us. And most of the time when people are monologue and all they're doing is criticizing, or all that, they don't care about you in the first place. I'll just let you in on a little bit of secret there. They usually don't. Now, do we need to answer many of those calls? Yes. But we've got to figure out how to take our schedule, draining people. Uh, overbooked calendars. When you have an overbooked calendar, the urgent almost always pushes aside the priority. What is happening right now almost pushes aside your family, your quiet time. When you overbook that calendar and you pack it so full, the things that are most important, we've already talked about the reason for margins, they don't happen in your life. Even from your physical fitness to whatever else. The fear of being left out. That's a huge thing for many people in packing their lives full. I I did read the other day, and I know we've used the illustration of people saying that their biggest fear is public speaking. but, But I really, as you work with people over the years, you realize some of people's biggest fear is being left out. What, what if my child doesn't do this? They won't be held, they won't get to run with this group. What if I don't do that? Well, I'll get to... Oh. Proverbs thirteen twenty and talks about finding your influence and finding the people that you should hang around. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You need to figure out who you're hanging out with. Are they going the direction you want to go? And most of those people understand, like I said, what we're talking about here in margins is counterculture. Many of the people you'll be start begin to talk about, this is what limits we're setting on our family. No, we're not hanging out this night because this is for our family time. Wait a second, we've always done this. Yeah, but I'm starting to take it back. But if they believe the way that you believe, you're headed somewhere and you've got to have space to do the things that God wants to do. But a lot of people are not going to understand that. A lot of people don't, well, well let's say this. This is foreign to most people, even talking about margins, because our culture pushes us to be packed. That's the first thing. But what happens is, I believe, is that most people don't even know there's a better option. That Christ came in our journey to give us rest. He says, let me teach you. He got away when people needed to be healed. Right there next to him. He got away. He says, come with me. I will teach you. Watch the way I did it. Now, he's God and he's human, but he had to have time away with the Father. Leaving behind people who needed Physical healing. That's wise. But a companion of fools, now it's not very friendly to tell all your folks, well, the reason I'm not hanging with you anymore is because you're a fool. It's not the most popular way to say it. But I can almost guarantee you, people who, fools are people who, 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 let me say this the right way. Let me, let me give you a, 
If they don't care enough about their own lives, they're probably not going to care enough about your life. If they don't care enough about their own marriage to start laying out their... They're probably not going to care enough about your marriage. Something should light up when you realize one day, I know I don't want to be left out. But the group that I am with, teenagers all the way through to whatever age, if this group is not going where I believe I want to go, I'm supposed to go, and I even want to go, something, a light should go off. Because they're not going the same direction. I'm not talking about don't hang with them at times. But the greatest thing you may do for them is be able to say, you know what, there's a better way. The greatest friendship you will ever have with them is not because you keep going with them to places that may even compromise your belief system. The greatest thing you may be able to do for them is to say, no, I figured out there's a better way. And this is the way I'm going. My family and I are going. And it's hard. One of the biggest challenges, I think, to our relationships is with our kids even is, and this is just a thought, that puts a lot of stress and a lot of, is the idea of entitlement. You know, we talk about entitlement in the government and we, you know, we all go, oh, there's entitlement. Da, 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 da. Well, some of us are dealing with in our own homes that we don't even, can't even quite grasp. I have the right to this. I have a right to an iPhone. It's my God-given, born right to internet and iPhone. And it puts so much pressure on us. And then what it does, it goes to the next one I would mention, we're going to talk about it more in a few weeks, is the technology part of that. Because of all the entitlements we think we should have, if we don't know how to manage them, and we don't know how to work with them. And we don't know how to say no. And we don't know how to turn it off. And we don't know how. What we end up with, Jan and I read a, we end up sitting in a house with everybody with their head down. Jan and I were at uh, a doctor's appointment the other day. And we were, we were probably the youngest. There was another young lady there, probably in her 30s, at the oncologist in an office and waiting room. And I look around and I don't know if there was one person in the room not with their head down looking at something. Nobody was looking around the room at anybody talking. Everybody just... But this is the world we live in. And there's, it's going to take some radical steps. And the reason I say they're radical, because if they were easy, you'd have already taken them because you already realize it. You'd already done something about it. What about our moral margins? When we're tempted to compromise, again, partly because we don't want to be left out, maybe. I, I don't know. When you begin to consider behavior you never would have considered before. 
Again, like I said, stress allows us to excuse that behavior if we're not careful. Or you begin to say, I'll go, but I won't participate. <laughs> Young people, it's... You know, begin to ask yourself other questions. So does this bring glory to God? Do, do, am I involved in something that causes anyone else to stumble? Does it help me grow in Christ, what we're about to do here? If, I, if somebody else saw me about to be involved in this, would they think differently? People, I do. It's not easy. It's not easy to begin to build that barrier and build those boundaries and build those guardrails, if you want to call them that. And to establish the rumble strips. It's going to take some time, but it's going to take a heart of saying, I want to live this direction. Second Timothy 2, 20 through 22 says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. There are, there are, some are there for noble purposes and some for ignoble, ignoble or dishonorable. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be made an instrument for noble purposes, made holy. I love this. Useful to the master. Prepared to do any good work. I don't know about you. I would love to think that God could look down at my life when I've done the things I need to do and I've, 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 I've began to work on this, that he could look down at my life and say, in my toolbox, there's a Kurt Gentry that I'm going to pull out right now and use him right now as an instrument. I wish he had that comp. I wish he could look at me and go, there it is. Okay, that tool's ready. As we sang earlier, trust without borders. And that song, Oceans. That he could trust me. Ultimately, I trust him, but can he trust me to prepare myself for any good work? Well, that means I've got to get rid of some things. It means I've got to, it potentially for some of you, you need to write a stop doing list today. <laughs> you need to lay it all, take your calendar, take your finances, take all that and just write it all out and go, I've got to stop doing this. No matter who it, now, I mean, I'm not saying, again, the fool thing is not a cool way to call people, think, people out, but you may have to go, I can't do this anymore. I've got to stop doing this and I've got to start doing this. But 2 Timothy goes on to say, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue. Pursue. And you've heard me, many of you have heard me use this illustration for years in youth ministry when we talk about purity. And that passage of scripture. You know, fleeing, we know, <clears throat> bad boy, you know, you know, uh, cops, bad boy, bad boy, what's he going to do? Well, we know what it means to flee. We see that on there, but we also know means we don't know what it means to what? Pursue. <clears throat> they look different. <laughs> and so many of us want to live our lives in our world of margins, whether you can take any word in here almost and fill it in here. We want to live it right up at that red line we talked about a few weeks ago, right up against the edge. As long as we don't cross over, And we've talked about this with teenagers. Purity is not a line. Purity is not, I don't have sex, many would say purity is, I don't have sex before marriage, so I'm pure. But that could be from a, 
peck on the cheek to run around, roll around buck naked together. As long as you don't have sex, okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm pure. No, that's a line. But I believe with all my heart, when you're following, it is a direction. You're chasing after God. You're chasing after Him. You're not trying to figure out how do I stay in and just barely get by. It is a pursuing after something for the righteousness of God. That changes everything. Then you begin to look around and say, who am I saddling up next to? Who am I dating? Who am I whatever? Who are my influencers? Are they going the same direction I want to go? Not are they crossing the line. Are they headed a direction that I'm headed? And that is the pursuit of God's righteousness. It says, goes on to say, along with those who call on the name of the Lord, I have a pure heart. Faith, love, and peace. I know it's really quiet in here today. I just, for me, I got to confess, I'm on this journey with you. At such a deep level, you don't even have any idea. I'm trying to figure this thing out. I've been a pastor 20-something years. been a Christian 26 years. When you talk about the parable of the sower... Talks about the things of this world come in and choke out. The things of this world. Good things. I'm not saying bad things. I'm not saying they're immoral and unethical. Just good things. Good people. Can come in and begin to choke out. The passion and the desire and the hunger and the thirst you have to know an almighty God and to love others. Which is the biggest thing that matters in the first place. And I'm trying to figure it out right there with you. I just want you to know I, I'm not pointing any fingers today. But I tell you who I believe will begin to walk it out. If those who figure out what their purpose is. What their non-negotiables are. What their focus is. They'll begin to let things go. They'll begin to peel things off. And they'll begin to be able to say no. We've raised our family under four concepts, and plus we did youth ministry. One of the things we were very intentional about, it. We, we sweat together, laugh together, cry together, dream together. We tried to be intentional about our relationships with our kids and with youth ministry and with other folks. And as a church here, we will, we will implement that more and more. We want to sweat together and accomplish things together. We want to cry together. I, I appreciate, you know, crying together is this. It is one of the hardest times for people. You can't create crying circumstances, but you don't run from them. I appreciate how much Jan and I, going through this last two months, how you folks in this church stepped up and stepped in. We couldn't create. I wouldn't wish what cancer on anybody. But what I appreciate so much is how much closer we are to many of you because you stepped in and stepped up in a way that, and during that season for us. But to laugh together, we need to have fun together. I love having fun. But we need to dream together. And I told you last week, week before last, one of the things is if you're going to be a part of renovation, we're going to challenge you to dream. I appreciate talking to a couple last night. They're not, I don't think they're in here this morning. They were part of the membership class last night, headed to Israel. They've been married 35 years, and God is causing them to dream, to start new stuff. They're going to be a part of renovation, and God is stirring in them. I don't know what their age is. They've been married 35 years. I don't know what, but God is causing them to dream in a way they've not dreamed in years. That's awesome. 
Most couples don't dream together. You know why? Because their soul life is so sucked out of them. What it would take to turn that ship around and to get some space to dream, they don't even think they'd ever get there. But we want to help you. But one of the places we've got to start, guys, is we've got to start doing a stop doing and some start doings. But give ourselves the space. When Jesus says, Matthew 11, I'll read it before we close. And the band can come if you want to, Josiah. You guys can come. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms. I love this. Learn not the forced rhythms, but the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything on you, anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance. Lord, I hope it's beneficial to our folks. We have some huge challenges ahead of us. Individually, each one of us have challenges of figuring out what this means to us and how it lays out for each one of us because there's not a, a set way. But one thing we know for all of us, Lord, is the things that matter most are relationships. And the time to rest in you and be embraced by you and to be loved by you and to know you, we've got to have the space. And the most important things in our life, the most significant things in our life, in relationship with others, we've got to have space. There's got to be intentionality, we know, Lord. There's got to be a direction and a purpose. But Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us to walk with the wise. Not be surrounded by fools. Help us to make that call in our lives, even if it hurts some things along the way. Because it's the right thing to do. For your glory. Thank you for this time. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.